Psalms 147, and I'll go ahead and read it. It says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out His command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down His crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before His cold? He sends out His word and melts them. He makes His wind blow and the waters flow. He declares His word to Jacob, His statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know His rules. Praise the Lord. Well, Father, we praise You this morning, Lord of heaven and earth. And we are glad that You're our Lord. Our King, we gladly call You our King and our Lord. Once we were far off, You've brought us near and we just praise You this morning and we, we want You to be praised. We want to sing songs to You today. We want to talk with with each other about your marvelous works and what you did this week and how you helped and strengthened and and were so faithful to us. Lord, we want to consider others more important than ourselves like you did. We we just want to go about and do good, Lord, and and sing about you and praise you and and think on you. We, We want to be fed, Lord. We know, Lord, we're so needy and you are so willing to give. Lord, you you give to the ravens, you you give rain. You cause the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. You are so good, Father, and we just praise You and we ask now for help in the preaching of Your good Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So this this book is a declaration of who God is and what He's going to do. And quite simply, brethren, I just want to zero in on verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This book is about how God is doing that. How God did that, and He's doing that daily in our lives. He came to deal with the greatest disease, our sin problem. And these verses, they talk about His greatness and His goodness, and they talk about how big He is, how He numbers the stars and He counts them. And so the title of my message is From Worlds to Wounds. How God came down 
and he was wounded for our transgressions, how he, he heals our wounds. And so first of all, I would want to ask or want to talk about the reason just for our healing, the reason for why God came down. And so the first part will be more towards, if you're a Christian, you can just think back to how God healed you. Think back to how God healed your broken heart. And then we're going to talk a little bit about just the wounds that God brings later on in our lives. And then lastly, we're, we're going to look at how God was wounded for our transgressions and just take, hopefully take comfort in that and encouragement in that. And then if you're not a Christian, I, I just would like to appeal to you to become one. And so first of all, the reason for our healing. And when I was driving down 281 South this morning, I, I saw on the, uh, the lighted sign there on the apartments, you're beautiful. Well, that, that's what the world thinks. He thinks everything's beautiful. I'm beautiful. I know it and I love it. And this world is just a beautiful place. But God said in Genesis 6, this is the Lord's assessment. He says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What an assessment. Evil continually. God looked down, even now, and out of all the eight billion some people, He sees that the most part, everyone's thoughts are evil continually. That's a sober thought, a sober reality. And before we were saved, we realized that. That I wasn't living for the glory of God. I wasn't concerned about Him. I wasn't in love with Him. I wasn't living for Him. And so I'd agree with that. About 15 years ago that when God saves me, my thoughts, the thoughts of my heart and the intentions of my heart were only evil continually. I was going my own way and choosing my own way. And I know you know this, brethren, and you can look back and think how God, He saved you from loving yourself and disobeying your parents. That was one thing that really stood out to me there in Romans 1. In the midst of all these seemingly greater sins, right in the middle is disobeying your parents. And I think it's, it's, it's just this, that your parents, especially here in this church and other solid churches, parents, they pour their guts out for their kids and they love them and they, they labor over, did I make the right decision here? Did I spank at the right time there? You realize that, children? Your parents love you. And God loves so much more than that. And so disobeying your parents, it's really... It's a picture, an image of how much God loves people and yet they disobey Him. That's how bad it is. It's because it's a, it's a picture of God. We're to obey God and love Him and serve Him. And so we see that this brokenness, this sin, or, or sin rather, created this brokenness. Sin is this disease and it just keeps getting worse and worse. It always leads to just more brokenness and more failure. And uh, up north, we get a lot more snow and ice. Um, I've been on some car accidents where you can't see the road in front of you and the, and the roads are really bad and icy and you're going slower, but you, you just can't see very far in front of you. And so we call them NCIs, mass casualty incidents, where you're, you're going down the road and these people are driving and they see it, an accident, but they can't stop in time. 
And so they just keep piling up. All these cars keep piling up. And the only way you can stop it is for someone to get farther up the road and, and put the lights on and get people to slow down and stop. And I just thought that's a perfect example of where we are at as, as sinners headed for hell. You're driving and you just think all is fine. But the reality is there's a wreck coming. There's hell coming. And God in His mercy gets us to stop. And He gets us to see that... Because the thing is, brethren, like today's message, we know that the lost won't think much of it if they don't feel their brokenness. And I just remember having that weight of sin for the first time in my life and feeling my brokenness and realizes, realized that I was headed for that collision course, that crash. And God spared me and caused me to see my brokenness. And so if, if there's some concern in your heart today for your brokenness, even as a Christian, poor in spirit, that's a wonderful thing. It's, it's a good thing. It draws you closer to Him. Brokenness draws us to Him so we get healed and helped and encouraged. So that's a, that's a good thing. That's a mercy. It doesn't feel like it sometimes or seem like it, but that is a mercy that God does that. And so brokenhearted, I mean, it doesn't take much description, but if you kind of search it on the, the Bible software, it means to break in pieces, rend violently, wreck, crush, quench, just like that, that car accident example. It's not just a little bit of discouragement or remorse. It's utter hopelessness. Broken-hearted. Utter hopelessness. You've tried everything and you're at your wit's end. It's like the prodigal son where he, he went away. It was looking great. But God brought him at his wit's end and became broken-hearted. And he realized, what am I doing? And he turned and repented and went to, to his father. That's a, it's a glorious thing that God does that. So, if you're broken, healing's coming your way. If you realize it, you can come and find healing in Christ. And, and the sad thing is that we know, we, have, we feel this brokenness and we try and do better, right? That's the way it was for me. I, I tried to stop sinning. I tried to, to do better. And then that's part of where that hopelessness comes from. You try and do better and better. And as a self-righteous church-going kid, I tried to do better, but you finally get more and more of that brokenness that comes in. And you realize, I can't fix it. I can't make myself better. I can't change my situation. And no one else can. And, you know, the world writes these songs. All I need is a little love in my life. A little love, and I'm hoping to kickstart my heart with that. But we don't need a kickstart, brethren. We needed a new heart, a transplant, a new heart from God. And praise God if you have one today. A new heart from the living God was given to you, and there's life there. There's hope there. There's healing there. He, he took away our sin and our iniquity. So that's, yes, that's the way it was with me. That's the way it was with, with you. I realized, woe is me, I'm undone. And who can help me? And then the Lord spoke to me. And I love that hymn. He, he speaks and listening to His voice. New life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts 
rejoice. The humble poor believe. I didn't need just a little love. I needed that divine ocean of love coming down, pouring into my heart. And that's what God did for us. The, the world's love is so pitiful compared to God's love. He sends out His Word, it says, and He melts them. And that's what He does with us. That's what we, we want today. He sends out His Word and He melts them. Well, so moving to point two, just God's careful binding up of our wounds. We see it in verse three. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up our wounds. So speaking more specifically to, to Christians here, I just want to give three comforts for when God brings various trials. They've been special to me, helpful to me. And I get them from this, this chapter here, this psalm. The psalmist gives us. He thinks about, verse 3, he, he thinks about the healing and the binding up. And then in verse 4, he just immediately goes to thinking about the stars. He determined the number of the stars. And so the three comforts are this, that God... He, do, he, he binds up our wounds. He cares for our wounds personally and powerfully and purposefully. He does this. So first, personally. We, and we get that from counting the stars, determining the, st- the number of the stars. I mean, I know I'm looking into this maybe a little bit, but if God so numbers the stars, I don't think He's just going to throw a bunch of trials at His children. I think He's going to number each of those wounds very carefully. And He's going to look at you individually you who have a name that's written in heaven, a name on His hand, and He's going to personally give you your needed wounds to help you become more like Christ. It's a personal reality. And we know, brethren, that we've all been through many things. I had hoped to spend more time with my dad, preach the gospel with him, plow a field, cut some wood, build a fence, go deer hunting with him, I still remember that one time he was out deer hunting and he had this little New Testament. He'd pull it out and he'd try and memorize scripture while he was sitting in the deer stand. And I don't know how he did it, but somehow this buck came out and he was able to pull back his bow and shoot that deer and and get it somehow without it noticing. I guess if you seek first his kingdom, (laughs) all these things will be added. (laughs) But brother, I, I mean, I loved my dad. It's like God had just, he had just saved me and uh, I don't know when exactly the Lord saved me. I think my teenage years. But I do know when I was getting more towards 18, there's just started to be more maturity in my life. My eyes just started to be open more to God's Word and the glories of it. And it's like I, I, I saw what a privilege I had. That my parents, my dad and mom, what, what a blessing it was to have them. And just shortly after that, my dad gets cancer, and he's gone, and you just don't know why. But you know that there, you look up in the stars in the country, the, the stars are way better. That's where I grew up, and he numbers all those stars. He numbers each one of them, and he gives them a name. And you think, okay, Lord, I, I can trust you. I can trust you. Or maybe you had hope for a longer marriage, and, and your spouse died or left you. And you're just in a, in a million pieces from that. It's just, it's heart-wrenching. It's, it's tough. And you've just got to trust that the Lord is personally dealing with you. He personally loves you. And, and 
And sometimes we feel like Job. Oh, you, got, you all are miserable comforters. <laughs> and you're just thankful for Jesus being the personal comforter to your heart. He knows you exactly. Christ is, is not one of those miserable comforters. It, it says, again from a, a hymn, uh, When other helpers fail and comforts flee, Help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Shine through the gloom and point me. Point me to the skies. Have you seen that, brethren, just when you're going through tough things and God just points you to the skies? Heavenly. My home is not here. My home is in heaven with the Lord. God is the strength of our heart. That's what He does. He strengthens our hearts and He points us to heaven personally. And He's calling us home and saying, I'm working it all for good in your life. When I, when I bring patients to the hospital, usually I always talked with the nurse. I never really saw the doctor. And so the way it works, you'll probably know, is the nurse mostly takes care of the patient. The doctor comes in and gives out some orders. You don't see the doctor too much. But that's not, that's not the way it is for us as a Christian. He personally deals with us. The personal attention of the greatest doctor in the world comes to strengthen our hearts and give us our needed care and healing and personal attendance with our wounds. And so brethren, if the Lord numbers the stars, He's, he's numbered your, your wounds, the things that He's caused you to go through. And one account that I want us all to turn to is in Mark 7. Just the personal attention that Jesus gave to someone that He healed always kind of baffled me and still does um, why the Lord did it this way particularly but um, I think this is one reason he wants us to see I'm a personal healer so Mark 7 verse 31 then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And this, and his ears were opened. His tongue was released and he spoke plainly. He took him away personally. And the guy's ears, you know, he couldn't hear. He couldn't speak, and not very well anyway. And the Lord, he put his fingers in his ears, and he touched his tongue. I mean, just, he didn't, he could have just done like the centurion. The centurion said, Lord, you can just say the word, and my servant will be healed. But he went and he personally took him away and he touched him and healed him. And every Christian here, that's the same. He personally dealt with you and touched you personally and healed you. That is, is just so wonderful. You're, you're not just a crowd. In fact, if you want to be a Christian, you can't just come with the crowd, can you? You have to personally come to Christ so that He can touch you and heal you. Well, the second point is powerfully he does this powerfully he heals and he wounds and he cares for us powerfully and we see this from verse 5 great is our lord and abundant 
in power back in Psalms 147. And when I thought about this, my mind went to Paul speaking about his wound, his thorn in the flesh. And he asked for it to be removed. And the Lord said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. I thought about that and just how the power of, of love, the power of a, a relationship, how great that is. You know, when you lose someone here, it takes, a, it takes a while to heal from that. A really long time to heal from that. There's a, a, a powerful thing in a loving relationship, knowing people. And it's the same with Christ. The only thing that's going to get us to the end is, is the love of Christ. That, that relationship and, and the joy of that relationship will get us through losing other relationships. And the more you grow in that relationship, the better and better your Christian life will get. And, and Paul says that love of Christ constrains me, it controls me, it keeps me going on. I find it sufficient, powerful enough to keep me. And so if you, if you woke up this morning and you were feeling dry and dead as a hammer, if you thought, well, you know, look at ver- verse 11 there. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him and those who hope in His steadfast love. And you woke up and you thought, how do I get out of bed? I don't feel like getting out of bed. If your hope was in the steadfast love of the Lord, you know, as, as Hudson Taylor said, hold on to the faithfulness of Christ. That'll get you out of bed. That'll keep you going. It's this steadfast love, this power of God to keep us, to warm your heart, and to produce a love and a joy and a peace in your heart day after day after day. He's powerful abundant in power he's not going to run out sometimes it just just feels like i'm stuck in the mud and how am i ever going to get out my thinking feels foggy you just cry out to him the power of god helps you keep going i, I love how in acts in in when peter they healed that lame man and they're all marveling at what had happened he says what are you guys doing you act like we did this we had nothing to do with this. It was the power of God to raise this man. And, and I just sometimes forget that we're here. It's the power of God keeping us. This is not just a regular old organization. This is not just... It's not. It's a, it's a powerful working of God. Keeping His people, loving His people, and, and to carry on. So thirdly, uh, purposefully... Verse 5 again says his understanding is beyond measure. His understanding. And it's because of this reason, just thinking about his design and his understanding, the way he, he thinks about something, he's never playing catch up, he's designed the whole thing. And, and, and this is the reason why we can say that the fire will not hurt us, that he desires just to burn that dross off. And, refine, and, and make us more like Christ. This is His design. This is his, under, his understanding is beyond measure. And so sometimes we may think, why is a trial this severe or this long? Or why this trial and not that trial? Why didn't I get that trial over there that that person got? But His understanding is infinite. We can trust Him and rest that He never makes a mistake and He does all things without pur- with purpose and with a plan. If you think about Naomi in, in Ruth there, she left 
Moab and she was, she was broken. Her husband and her two sons had died. But healing was ahead. Ruth met Boaz and then came Obed and Jesse and then David. And the story ends with Naomi having a redeemer. Broken yet healing. The same with Jacob. He left that city of Peniel. A broken man but a healed man. He left with a limp but he was more humble and he feared God more. That's what we're talking about. Purposely, God wounding and healing. Remember the, the first miracle that Jesus performed. The water into wine. And, and it's just encouraging that God's still doing that. He's still turning regular, ordinary things into wine. Into something that's good and glorious and helpful heartaches for good all these things God's turning them for good just like Romans 8:28 says and we have to trust him that he's he's still with us he's doing this he's turning darkness into light the rough places smooth and so there's all kinds of things that brother you've gone through and and uh, I was just leaving this point here I direct you to verse 6 it says the Lord lifts up the humble he casts the wicked to the ground. You know, whatever afflictions you've gone through, being broken and bruised is hard. But it's nothing compared to being cast down as the wicked to the ground. And I have to remind myself of that every day. That we're not destined for wrath, but we're destined for glory. He's healed us. And He's, he's binding up our wounds. So to point three, we're going to look at how the Lord was, was wounded for our transgressions. And Peter says, remember Christ and His suffering. Peter says, he says, you've been called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. And I, I think about how God, He left His heavenly throne above and He bridged that gap and He came down to take on human flesh. He left those worlds above and He was wounded for our transgressions that we would be healed. To, to heal a broken people. And, you know, it, it's hard being around sad people. You know what I mean? Just being around people who are going through hard things. It's hard being around them. The joy helps, you know, like it, it brings healing to the bones. I just think, though, about Jesus coming to this earth and walking with all of us. Walking with broken, sad people. And He was wounded for us to take away our, our sin. What an amazing reality that God, He worked as a carpenter and He worked our salvation for us. He, he built worlds and He was wounded for our transgressions. So what a comfort, Christian, today that your, your sins are wiped away. He was wounded for us that we would be healed. That's why He came down. He came to bring healing to the sick. And He's done that for us. And you will someday stand perfect and spotless before God because in His wounding, taking on the wrath of God, He's given us His perfect righteousness, His robes, that we could be dressed in His beauty and not our own. We didn't need just a little bit of love in our life. We, we needed the Almighty God coming down and dying on that cross for our sins and giving us life, His life. 
So in conclusion, I just want to appeal to any who are lost here. And just, just to think about this. How wonderful it is the thought of if you were born lame and Jesus came along and He healed you. And for the first time in your life, you're able to jump up and run and leap. Just what a fantastic thing that would be. To be able to run and jump and for the first time maybe you're able to see if you were blind. I remember when I had that eye surgery and I woke up for the first time after it and I could actually see without putting my glasses or contacts in. And just, that was great. But imagine like if you were born blind and you couldn't see. And then you have, you have just, just to be able to, to feel everything, see everything, hear everything. You got people who were, were sick and had, had leprosy and, and that was gone. And, and these are all glorious things. But you know, if you profess to be a Christian, I would ask you this question. Are you as excited to be a Christian like a lame man walking? Because how much greater is that? I mean, if, if you're a Christian today, I mean, I was going over this and I just felt ashamed. Like that I'm not more excited about being a Christian. Right. I mean, if I was a lame man and I could run through that field for the first time and do things, I would tell everybody. I would tell everybody, I can run. He healed me. Like, look how high I can jump. And I, not that high yet, but I'm getting stronger. My legs are getting stronger. And I see people every day, and I don't tell them about Christ. And if you profess to know Christ, you realize what you're saying? That you were once lame, and now you're able to walk. You were once dead in your sin, and He brought you to life. I just want you to be clear. If you're saying you're a Christian today, that is how happy you should be, like a lame man walking. Let, let's not say we're Christians. Let's not even expect that we, we should have any less than that joy, brethren. That abundant joy of, I can walk. I can see for the first time. And I, I know we go through hard things. But brethren, wake up. And, and, and expect God to give you that more joy, to see more of what He's done for you. I was once lame, and now I can walk. Please, please, if you don't have that, if you've never experienced that, go to Him for it. Stop messing around and, and, and just barely getting by or, or thinking that, no, I'm okay, you know. I, I said the words or I prayed a prayer. That's all you got to do, Right? but you haven't been healed. You haven't been touched by Him. There's, there's just so many things. I, I feel it in my own life, you know, how you use those, those if or when. If this happens in my life or when this happens, then it will be okay. Then it will be, be fine or I'll be happy or something like that. But, and I just lose sight of the reality that God's healed me today. I get to rejoice in that. I get to, to glory in that and boast in that. that I've been set free of my sin. I'm destined for glory. So is that your story? If you're a Christian, you're professing Christ. Have you been set free of that? Can you say, I can, I can really rejoice like that if I was lame or blind and, and now I see? I mean, just think, brother, of all the, the oppression of the devil. Think, 
think of how the devil oppresses people. And what does he do? He wants The one thing he wants to do today, right now, is to keep you from seeing how glorious Christ is. Even, even as a Christian today, he wants you to, to, to not see how wonderful Christ is. How glorious He is. And, and we need Him to pull back that veil. We need the Lord's help, His power to overcome that. I just It seems like there was quite a few times where we'd pick someone up in the ambulance and, and I'd ask to see their driver's license and, and she would give it to me. And I'd, I'd look at the driver's license and I'd look at her and I was just blown away at how it was hardly recognizable. Her driver's license once was a was a beautiful girl and she had been into drugs and she got all messed up and it was hard to recognize them. And God came down to save us from all that mess, to heal the brokenhearted. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, it says in Acts, with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him he's still doing that today you don't have to wait in line you don't have to you won't get an ER tech or something like that you're going to get God himself he came down to heal the broken hearted you go directly to him and he will heal you he came and he gave us to give us life and have it abundantly and so this great healer today is the day of salvation not tomorrow because he may come back tomorrow as a judge, not a healer. And today was your last day to get right with God. He would have healed you today, but you waited till tomorrow. And it was too late. So I would encourage you, today, today you could be healed of all your sins, wiped away. Isn't that wonderful? It's free and it's a, just a free offer to you. All you have to do is bring all of your brokenness to Christ and He's going to heal you. He's promised to do so. Because of His wounds today, when we take the Lord's Supper, we can think about His wounds, I'm healed. He gave His life that I would have life. He left His heavenly throne that I could be a part of His heavenly kingdom So praise God. As the psalm says, praise the Lord. It's good to sing praises to our God. And it ends with praise the Lord. He's so good. I'm thankful for this passage. It's it's just a privilege to look into His Word and think on Him. I hope this was an encouragement, brethren. And I just think of that reality. May we can pray more for that this week. Lord, make me more like like that person who had just raised to life or just given sight. May He give us more of that supernatural joy to see what He's done for us, how He's saved us and made us new. Let's pray. Father, all we can do is just thank You, thank You, thank You. And I'm sorry for what a pitiful job. And I pray, Lord, You would just encourage us today and bless us with Your presence. Draw near to us. Encourage those who are going through trials, Lord, that You heal personally and powerfully and purposefully, that everything is with meaning 
Everything has purpose, Lord, from the least to the greatest. Father, I ask You to bless this church greatly, Lord, and keep us going strong after You. Help us to encourage one another today and build up one another. Say, only thing that's good and edifying, Lord, I thank You for every word that each Christian here has shared with me and encouraged me and kept me going. Lord, I thank You for your, You being our Father in heaven. We praise You in Christ's name. Amen.